0: Amen. Uh, I was going to come forward. Let's give out of how God has given to us. You got two outlines as you walked in. One of them, or two envelopes. One of them says this. This is just our standard weekly God gives to us, so we turn around and give 10% back to him giving envelope. That's what we're giving now. Uh, the other one looks like this. Uh, It says, live the mission on it, and that is our missions weekend, missions emphasis thing that we do twice a year, uh, and you came on that day. Uh, So today we're going to look at God's invitation to us to go and give and pray. In a little bit, we're going to take an offering because God has given to us, uh, and we want to give back to what he uh, has given to, especially on top of what he asks in tithing. We're going to be generous people uh, to fund And we want to fund evangelism outreach uh, work here locally, nationally, and also globally. Uh, And that's what we're going to talk about today because there's an invitation for all of us from Jesus to go give and pray. Uh, We're going to be in Luke chapter 9, verse 10. You can go there in your Bible or in your app right now. Uh, And for all of this, this whole idea of going, giving, praying, making a difference where we are, uh, churches in Lithuania and other places that we watched on the video, all that stuff boils down to the human desire, what's inside of all of us, that when we see, when we see a need, everything changes. I, when we see a need, when there is something tangible that we can smell, that we can see, that we can taste, we can feel, we can hear, when there's something crying out to us in our life that says, something needs to be done right now, everything changes. And regardless of what religious persuasion and everything you are, uh, that's true for everybody because there's a subsection of our society that says it is okay, if the need is right, to smash car windows. It is okay to rip off car doors. It is okay, even if necessary, to break bones if there's somebody who needs help. Those people are called firefighters, all right? So there's a car that's on fire. What are the firefighters supposed to do? Is it okay if I help you? Would you mind if I shatter your window to pull your almost dead body out of this car and then we can both walk home? Like, of course, there's a need. You're going to do something about it. And for us as Christians, the need is, and for you, if you're not a Christian, this is going to explain so many things. The need is that we believe everyone needs a relationship with Jesus. Everyone has it wired inside of them that they need a relationship with Jesus. And this starts for us by us seeing it, by us actually understanding there are people out there who have a need and we want to see God do something in them. Uh, We're going to be in Luke 9 and there's a story about Jesus and his disciples. He's just been out doing ministry. He's doing Jesus things. He's healing people. He's restoring people into community, into life, into everything good and then you get to see it from the life, or from the perspective of his disciples. And all these people had followed Jesus out into the middle of nowhere, and they realized that's created a problem. That has created a need. Something in society, something in world, like hunger. Like right now, it's 11:43. It'd be great to be eating at 11:43, but you're here. It's even better. Uh, and so they respond, late in the afternoon, this is Luke 9 verse 12, late in the afternoon the 12 disciples came to Jesus and said, you have to send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so that they can find food and lodging for the night. There was nothing to eat here in this place. They said like, we've got to need. people are hungry, they're getting hangry, there's 5,000 of them, 5,000 men, 20,000 people like we're about to learn, and there's only 12 of us. If that's a hangry mob, only 12 of you are not good odds. But for us, when we see a need, and for the disciples, that's how it starts with us. When we see a need, everything changes. I'm making an assumption right here, but I think if you go home and do the math, so many things in your life have been determined and dictated and figured out by people who met significant needs in your life. And I bet that the amount of people who have met significant needs in your life and totally changed the course and trajectory of everything, that number fits on one hand. All right, I think of one guy uh, who I haven't seen in seriously 20 years, uh, but God used him in my life in a way that changed everything. His name is Mike. Uh, he lived in Arizona. Uh, Mike was 16. Some of you are 16. Uh, and Mike's girlfriend was pregnant. So immediately there's a need. Mike didn't know Jesus. And God used Mike in my life to show me, dude, there are so many people living around you who need to know about a God who loves them, a Jesus who died for them, a Holy Spirit who wants to live inside of them, that using that need, that understand, that heartfelt, like something needs to happen here. He needs to hear about the good news of Jesus to work in his life as an about-to-be-dad before he can vote you got to do something about this. And so God used that in me. There was a need. And that need has been like, continuously worked out in my life for the last 20 years to go everywhere to tell everyone to stick with a group of people for a really long time and be a church that tells the world that there's, a, there's hurt in the world and there's a Jesus that moves into our hurt. For us, for me, that's the need that has dictated so many things and changed so many things for me. The Bible is just not paper and words and stuff. It's the message of God running after hurting people. And so God used that for me to shape so much of life and ministry and all that stuff. And today we're looking at how that impacts us as a church, as individuals, but not just looking at ourselves or looking at one person, looking at the world. And for us, I'm going to make the declaration. There's no question mark in here. There's no should-ing it's just how it is. Jesus' followers care about the world. Jesus' followers care about the world. For us to follow Jesus, that means that, that we're stepping into four things. We're stepping into the fact that God loves us, that God always has loved us, always will love you. I don't care what happened yesterday, this morning, that you're bringing into this morning. You're walking in as a vessel, as a person, as an identity, as a history, as a future that is loved by God. Fact. Fact. Never gonna change, never gonna go up on a good day, never gonna go bad on a bad day. And that is really, really good. Within that love, it's an accurate love. God's not some blind, tired grandpa who's gone to sleep for the day and he just loves you and he'll wake up and he'll feel good about that. God sees things in our lives where we push God away, where we push Jesus away. We're saying, I'm doing this my way. We end up hurting ourselves. We end up hurting other people. We end up hurting God. And what God did that was so foundational was as we have pushed ourselves away from him, God took on skin. God came to live among us in the person of Jesus so that he could give his perfect life for our imperfect life and bring us into a relationship with God the Father. And for us to say I'm a Jesus follower means you understand that you're loved, means you understand that you sin, means you understand that Jesus came and died for you and you're surrendering to that. That's what Jesus did when he was on earth and so before he left, after he'd already died and risen from the dead, he grabbed all of his disciples together, gathered everyone together uh, and he said this. It's gonna pop on the screen. It's really long so we're not gonna read it. Sometimes we do that. Uh, But he says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you even to the end of the age. And Jesus said this with all authority, so we can look at it now and say, that's a great idea. But back then, it was a stretch. Because through his whole life and ministry, through three years of doing amazing things, bringing dead people back to life, bringing identity, bringing restoration to people that like, had a lifestyle of knowing nobody cares about me. In all of that, Jesus did everything throughout the geographic area that's about the same size as, it'll pop up, Fresno County, all right? Not that huge, okay? You go to Hume, you're outside of that. You go to Bakersfield because you've done something bad. Uh, it's not outside of that. Like, That's not a lot of area, and Jesus says, "We've made ourselves. You've made me famous here. Now we're going to take that to the whole world." So what I did, uh, don't don't hit the picture yet, but I decided I would like do an idea of how about how big Fresno County is, and then copy that, bring up a map of the world, scale it, and then put a yellow box inside of a black outline uh, and black fill of the world. So here's what Jesus had in mind, that you're gonna take this, how we've become famous, how people have learned to follow Jesus within this, this area, and we're gonna spread it across the world. And here's what it looks like. Look for the yellow box. Anybody see the yellow box? If you say yes, you're lying, and you're in church, so that's doubly bad. He so said, we're gonna take Jesus being recognized as Lord God, King in Christ in a tiny little area And spread it across the whole world. That means there's a lot of people I need to care about the world. That means when Jesus is designing us and designing our heart and designing what that's going to look like, he needs Jesus followers all over the world. Everywhere. He needs people who are going to learn about Jesus in one place. They're going to give their heart to Jesus, give their life to Jesus, realize that Jesus has come into the world to save them from sin, and and then take that and go everywhere else in the world. He needs a lot of people like that. So I think for us, if you're a Christian, this means two things. First thing is somewhere along the line, somebody told someone in your family, maybe it was you, maybe you're the first Christian in your family, someone told someone in your family, about Jesus. And so that trickled down generation after generation after generation, and now you're here. But at some point, your family knew nothing about Jesus, and then someone told you. I, I look at that, and I get excited because that, that's a that's an ongoing forever good-natured to-do list for us to take the good news of Jesus everywhere because there are going to be generations that are changed because you and I decide to take the good news and take it to places where it's not currently at. And the second question for all of us is when we look at the idea of go, when Jesus says go into every nation, go. It's not a question. It's not an if. It's a go. The question isn't what should we. The question is where. Where should we go? If you're here and you're a student and you're still having to go to school, uh, it will get better, I promise. Uh, But While you're still in school, you are living in the richest mission field on the planet because you're surrounded every day by people that know you who don't yet know Jesus and are headed to an eternity away from Jesus. You look at your house, you look at your job, you look at maybe you have a house but you don't have a job. Your job is to take care of kids and and raise the kids that share your last name and that means that your job is to raise those kids to love and follow Jesus. That when they make you wanna pull your hair out, your prayer for them, your job is that when they are old enough to make their own decisions and live their own life, uh, spiritually, they no longer make you want to pull your hair out. Your job is to raise sons and daughters to love Jesus. You go to, you go to your work. You're not going as just an employee. You're going in as an ambassador of the kingdom of God, that you go to make a difference spiritually in your workplace. You go to be salt and light in a decaying and dark world. The question isn't an if, it's a where do we go? And so for all of us, because as I'm talking, you're probably thinking of ways that this doesn't apply to you. This applies to somebody else, but not you because you have issues, which is true. For all of us, we have issues, and our issues don't excuse us from caring about the world. Our issues don't excuse us from caring about the world. This week, uh, on, th- on Friday night, we got to have a banquet and eat a bunch of food and hear great mission stories. And one of the stories we got to hear about from the guy who was talking, uh, he's somebody who grew up not knowing Jesus. When he was 20, he met Jesus. Everything changed for him. Uh, he heard about a need in India, spiritually, that there millions and millions and millions of people who don't know Jesus and he's like, we need to do something about this. So he uh, teams up with a missionary who's already been doing ministry there for a long time and he goes to India not knowing anything as a 20-year-old. He learns the language, he learns how to pastor, he learns how to teach the Bible and, and slowly, slowly, like, scaled out over tons of years and tons of people. There's a church planting movement happening in India where millions and millions of people are becoming Christians. You're like, wow, is it a Christian nation? No, because it's 1.3 billion people. So one million people there isn't really that much. Uh, so that, that's just crazy math. But one of the stories that he told uh, was their, their second son who was born and had a bunch of developmental issues. And so they started recognizing those at about five. They take them to a hospital in a more developed country. Uh, they figure out what's going on, give them a diagnosis, and the doctor's like, you know what, it's, it's fine. You're going to stay here. He's going to get individualized attention and care, uh, and, and you'll just live here now. And so the husband who spoke with us and the wife, who's the mom of the kid, as parents, they're like, what do we do? Because we've got our calling to go make disciples in India, and, and we've got our son. So do we quit following God, or do we say God knows exactly what he's doing, and he's going to be faithful to provide for us as us and our t- three sons go to do ministry in a difficult place? So they had to make the tough decision that they're going to take their son back into ministry. The doctors are saying, he'll never be fine. He'll never grow, he'll never develop, and they did it, and it was tough for a few years. And then they got a call one day from, from somebody who had been praying for them, uh, Normal person, probably like one of us. He's like, I just feel like God is telling me I need to go and work for you. I've never been to India before, but I know that I I need to go and work for you. I speak English just like you do, but I know I need to go and work for you. Oh, by the way, uh, I'm a special ed teacher and the developmental issues that, that their son is having, she didn't know this, the developmental issues that your son is having, that's been my specialty for the last three years. So I can give you this if there's anywhere for you to use it. I'm like, yes, absolutely, come work with us. So their son, where the doctor said, you can't take him back to the mission field, it'll never be okay. Uh, he'll never grow, he'll never develop. Has had a decade plus of face-to-face, one-on-one teaching from somebody who's trained in his difficulty uh, and he's gotten better service than he ever would anywhere else because God understands our issues. God understands our issues and he works and he places us in areas where he accounts for our issues. It's part of God knowing us Is our issues are part of his plan. And they don't excuse us from caring about the world. So back to the Jesus story. He's got a lot of people who are really hungry. He's got his group of people who are saying, like, we're messed up. The only food we can find at this point are a couple loaves of bread and a few fish, which is basically a snack for everyone in their culture. And Jesus tells them, you feed them. You're like, no, 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 you don't understand. I know you understand numbers because you wrote a book with that name. But here's seven things to eat, not very much. What do we do? And Jesus doesn't change his mind. He says, you feed them. They explain, we can't do this. There's 20,000 people here. He says, you feed them. Because God has a plan for our issues. Any but, any, yeah, but I don't know that we bring to God. God's got a plan for because he knows us. Not because he's just going to say suck it up and get over it, but because he knows us and loves us. And that's how we respond. That's how we're going to close today. Uh, You got one of these uh, as you're handed as you walked in and uh, backside is just for name info and stuff. And then you open up and there's three options. And the first one uh, says, live the mission, go. We're asking for a will to go. And for all of us, if we don't go, nothing changes. You know, one of the knocks on missionaries is that they all they do is they just bring in a Judeo-Christian culture into places that uh, don't have that and you end up messing up the culture. And I think they're right. You know, we bring in our Judeo-Christian values everywhere we go. We bring a value of life, that every life from womb to tomb, every heartbeat matters. We bring in a culture of sacrifice and servant leadership, that that the place for the leaders is at the bottom of the food chain and and we live our lives to help and bless other people. We bring in a culture of dignity and worth and elevating people that nobody else is elevating. We bring in uh, a life of generosity We bring in a life of repentance and forgiveness and the value of a relationship with Jesus now and forever. So when we go, if we don't go, nothing changes. Nothing changes at our work, nothing changes at our school, nothing changes in our relationships. But when we do go, stuff can happen. Lives can change. People can meet Jesus and this year, as, as Mountain View has funded things that go and, and funded areas where we want to see the church grow and see new things happen in new places so far to date, and I think you got all this as you were handed in, uh, we've seen 216,427 people say yes to Jesus. Not just here in Sunnyside, but everywhere that we have touch globally, that's what we've seen happen. We've seen uh, 119,247 people be baptized We've seen 5,013 churches started out of thin air because people are meeting Jesus. They're excited about it. Other people around them are meeting Jesus and lives are being changed. And when we don't go, that doesn't happen. But when we do go, we accept God's mission to change the world. There are some options to check off Uh, on this that you'll turn in at the end of the service. We're saying, I'm interested in going somewhere next summer. That's a bucket list item for everyone here at the church. We want everyone to go on a mission trip. doesn't mean you have to go on every single one, but at some time, at some point, set aside some time, set aside some money, and plan on going. We're going to have a number of options next summer. I want you to go on one of them. Second thing I'll undergo is to go to prayer training. This helps us understand going this helps us give develop a plan for going as we pray and let god into the situation so you can check one of those off turn it in at the end because when we when we go we accept the mission and secondly when we give we fund the mission okay if we don't go nothing changes if we don't give no one can go and it's really great for us that the bible in this story expresses well what if i don't have anything to give Because the whole situation, the whole story that we're looking at, there's a hungry mob and there's one person with five pieces of bread and two fish, and that's all. But they give it to Jesus, and Jesus does amazing things with it. Because if we don't give, no one can go. And when we do give, which is a call for all of us, because there's different levels of what we can give, but it's a call for all of us to live in generosity. God has richly given to us so that we can give to others. When we do give, God does more with it than we could imagine, I got a friend of mine, his name is Jay. Uh, he likes soccer, but other than that, he's, he's a pretty good guy. Um, <clears throat> Jay lives in Sanger. Jay, Jay drives a tiny little car. Uh, for those of you with big trucks, you could probably take Jay's car home with you on the back of your truck today. Uh, Jay would notice, but you probably wouldn't because it's tiny. Uh, during the week, he does soccer stuff, he does realtor stuff, but during the weekend, uh, Jay goes to church, and he goes to church with you. And while he's here, uh, one of the things that he does, he handles a bunch of stuff that I can't, a bunch of things that uh, Greg and Tim can't. Uh, he also gives. So that's part of being here is we give towards the mission of God. And, uh, and as he gives, uh, he gives towards a lot of stuff. Uh, Jay gives to church, and and one of the things that he gave to was a four-wheel drive truck uh, in Central Asia that drives missionaries over mountains uh, that are snowy and like 14,000 feet high. It's important to us that they get there. We had one that got stuck up in the snow in January. uh, He thought he was going to die. It's a very real possibility that he could have died because it's really cold at 14,000 feet in January, and so when he got back to the other side, we sent him a four-wheel drive truck, and uh, Jay gave to that, so Jay sent him the four-wheel drive truck. There's another church in Turkey uh, that started in, uh, in, in a very heavily Islamic country because it's Turkey. Uh, and their goal was to do churches what they call above ground, which is like how we do everything, where you put signs everywhere, you tell people we are a Christian church. So that means if you do that, you need really strong steel doors to keep out extremists. And because he gave at church, Jay gave to those steel doors. There's another country where we've seen a church planting movement explode. Churches need to stay small there because, again, it's a closed-off, religiously-persecutive country, so we need churches to stay small. And as they stay small, they go really, really wide. And we've seen thousands of churches planted there this year. And so Jay gave, and Jay gave to that. He started a church planting movement in Indonesia. And there's another place uh, in, uh, in Myanmar. They were talking on the video about uh, Coffee beans, or they, the, the tree farm is what they called it. Uh, what that is, is it's a farm that grows star beans, which I don't know what they look like, taste like, but I know what they do. Uh, they produce a crop that gets sold to pay for a training facility so pastors can come and learn about Jesus and support themselves as they launch churches in an area that's, again, very closed off to, to uh, Christianity. And so Jay gave to that. So that means that Jay started a church planting movement in Southeast Asia. There's also a Bible college in Uganda where people would have to walk for five hours uh, to learn about Jesus, or we could help build a dormitory where you can sleep there at night and learn about how to pastor a church and save your energy and spend it on learning and loving instead of walking. And so, because he gave at church, you know, Jay gave towards that. Jay built a dormitory at a Bible college in Uganda. Okay, Jay's never been to any of those places as far as I know, but he gave. And that's the awesome part for us is as we say, okay, this is what I have. This is what I can give. God takes it and God does more with it than we could ever ask or imagine. When we give in faith, we're allowing God in to do more than we ever could on our own. That's part of the goodness of God is he understands how much we have. He understands how much we can give. But when we give from our heart and say, okay, this is what I got, Jesus takes with it and takes it and does more than we ever could. And so there's a, mo- there's a mark or a place here where you can say, today I want to give. And if you came prepared to give today, write that in. You can give it online. You can write a check. You can stick it in the envelope. You can drop it in the basket as we close today. Uh, or you can give online and do that. And if you're not at all prepared today, which is totally okay, uh, there's the second option where it says, I want to pledge to give blank uh, by the end of the month. And that's us saying, okay, as much as we can, as widely as we can cast to the net, us as a church, we're getting behind global missions because as we have met Jesus and everything has changed for us, we want to see that happen in other places. We might not be there, but what we're doing is we're sending our investment into the kingdom for God to use to take places beyond what we could ever do, beyond where we could ever go. So when we go, we're accepting the mission. If we don't go, nothing changes. When we give, we're funding the mission. If we don't give, people can't go. And three, when we pray, we empower the mission. And if we don't pray, people shouldn't go. Prayer is the fuel, is the innovation, is the protection of ministry, it's the protection of evangelism. We're, we're putting our prayers ahead, just like when we give, we're putting our prayers ahead into places that we may never go, but instead we're asking Jesus through prayer to work in those places. Prayer is the conversational element of our love relationship with God. And so when we pray, we're asking Jesus to come in and work in these places that we may never go to but we see a need, and God grabs our heart, and God uses our prayers to do things in places around the world, and as we go give and pray, we see miracles happen. We see people meet Jesus, and we see the world changed, so Jesus tells them to feed them. He says the disciples come back to him in verse 13. Say, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, or are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for this whole crowd, for there are about 5,000 men there, 20,000 people, Jesus replied, tell them to sit down in groups of about 50 each, for the people all sat down. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish and looked up toward heaven, and he blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and fish to the disciples so that they could distribute it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. That happened because people said, okay, here I am, everything that I have, every bit of food that I have, I'm giving it to Jesus. And Jesus uses it to do more with it than we could ever imagine. As we look at going, as we look at giving, as we look at praying today, we've got different levels, we've got different capacities. But as we surrender what we have to Jesus and say, all right, use me, this is what I got, use me. Jesus changes lives, Jesus changes us, and Jesus changes the world. Let's stand and pray.